What's up, Church Fam Jam? How are we? Amen. What a great start to our day, hey? A great start to our week. The name of Jesus. There's life, there's power, there's hope. There's everything that we need in the name of Jesus. We're starting a brand new series this week, a four-parter from the, the story and the life of Jonah. Jonah's story has its own bi- biblical Bible book. It's amazing. It, it's four chapters long, so you guessed it. We're going to tackle one chapter each week for the next four weeks. Now, there's something that, that bubbled up for me this week as I was preparing for this. I was thinking through the story of Jesus because I love to be reminded of who Jesus is. See, here at Sea Road, we have a mission, and our mission is to love and live like Jesus. That's, that's our mission. That's our desire. That's our hope. That's our passion. And so my hope and prayer is that each one of us is, is uniquely and individually captivated by the life of Jesus, not a gift, not something else that's happening, but by the life of Jesus. And so as I was reminded of the life of Jesus, I was reminded of one of the most interesting invitations he ever gave an individual. Jesus was walking around and he was looking for a group of followers and he found a couple of gentlemen and he said to, the, to these gentlemen, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Have you ever gone fishing before? There's a reason it's called fishing and not catching, okay? (laughs) Unless you're in Alberta at Greater Slave Lake, where you can actually do catching there, all you need to do in Greater Slave Lake, Alberta, is just like throw like a donut in the water, and you'll get like 15 fish. They're in abundance in that lake, it seems. But if you've ever gone fishing before, you know that fishing means a lot of waiting. This is a photo, one of my very first and very most fond memories of fishing with my family. Can you, can you tell which one I am? I'm the cute one in the front. I know it's changed since then. Now I'm handsome. I remember this day, but guess what? We didn't catch a thing. We didn't catch a thing when we went fishing. We sure had a lot of fun and great memories. I got my grandmother in the boat with me. She's 96 years old now. It's amazing. She texts me. My grandma texts me. I love it. 96, learning to text. And that's my dad in the back. I don't know why he's wearing a Detroit Tigers hat. He is, but, but that's my dad. And my dad's here today, which is amazing. Because if you followed along our story as a family from February onwards, we didn't know if we'd have a day like this. Fishing. Fishing is known as fishing, not catching. It's interesting to me because I like to catch. So Jesus, he says this to a group of people. He says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What does he mean by that? We're going to look at the life of Jonah to kind of unpack that a little bit more. See, Jonah's story is not unlike your story and my story. Even though Jonah existed like 2,500 plus years ago, and his context was different than ours, and his reality was different, the uniquenesses in his story aligns a lot with our own story. If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Jonah 
It's in the Old Testament, chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, if you need a Bible today, come see me. Come see one of our staff. We want to gift you a Bible. Bring it with you every week. Then you can read along what we're going to study and learn together. If you prefer a digital method, reminder that the YouVersion Bible app, you can download from your Google Play Store or your App Store. You can follow along because we've got a live event every single Sunday called Sea Road Live. You just go on the home section, the more section, boom, events, there we are, Sea Road Live. You can follow along with the scripture and read it and breathe it in for yourself. I'm going to read the entirety of the first chapter, so take a deep breath. There's 17 verses. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the, poor, to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He, brought a, he bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why, why do you do it? They groaned. Why did you do it? And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death, O Lord. You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Talk about an interesting story. One that's usually associated with fish tales of some kind. 
There's three pieces of this story that I want to unpack from this chapter that I think will bring some hopefulness and some clarity for each one of us. Some deep soul searching, so to speak. The first thing that I want us to be aware of is I think that Jonah experienced from God an invitation to love. An invitation to love. If I can draw your attention back to the first couple of verses in chapter 1, you'll see what I understand, what I mean by saying that. See, the, the story starts with describing who Jonah is being the son of this guy, Amittai, and that the Lord gives him a message and says, go up, get up. I want you to go to this city, the great city of Nineveh, and I want you to, to, t- to tell them about my judgment on them for their wicked people. Now, that language doesn't always necessarily make us evoke thoughts of love and well-being and meaning. Hey, go up and go tell that person they're doing something wrong. Sometimes, culturally, we're like, well, I don't know if that's a loving response, and yet it is. If you see a young child playing in the middle of traffic, going and telling that child, hey, you're playing in the middle of the road, this is a bad idea. That is a loving response. Sometimes love is hard to hear. Sometimes love is hard to experience. Sometimes love is hard to rationalize. But in this moment, in these few verses, Jonah is given an invitation to go and express God's love. Go tell people that are being misguided, mistreated, and confused, go tell them about me. You and I are given a same invitation to love. In fact, we call it a part of our mission statement. I've already said it. We want to love and live like Jesus. And part of love is going to mean going to places that we might not want to be associated with. It might mean going into our work environment and, and telling them that we do love Jesus, even though they mock everybody that uses the name of Jesus. It might mean going to our family and saying, hey, I'm going to pray for you even though you don't believe in prayer. It might mean doing something outside of what we are comfortable with because we're extended an invitation to love. Now, here's the cool thing that I find about this story in this moment, this invitation to love, is Jonah does what sometimes you and I do. Instead of embracing the invitation to love, he runs away from it. He runs away from it for various reasons. If you know anything about the city of Nineveh, it was like the epicenter of everything evil in ancient Middle Eastern times at that time. Like you could go there, you could buy a human being to do whatever you want with, you could trade stuff, you could steal stuff, you could do any kind of sin that you wanted to think of and it was all kosher. It was like Las Vegas back in the day, right? Where everything stays in Vegas, everything stayed in Nineveh. Everybody knew about it, but everything stayed there. So if you wanted to go party hard and do all that stuff, you could go to Nineveh and nobody would bat an eye. You do whatever you wanted, live exactly how you wanted to live, to your fullest expressions of all these carnal desires, and you would be accepted. So that place is a hard place to go to. Imagine being the one sent into that environment to try and love those people. Some people that we might have even labeled as unlovable. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't talk like us. They want something from us. 
They're all there self-seeking and whatever. God gives Jonah this invitation to love, and instead of embracing that, he choose to, chooses to run from it. Something that, if we're, if we're honest, at times you and I do the exact same thing. It is hard to love. It is hard to love. In our culture, in our society today, relationships are disposable. Ooh, my marriage is breaking down. I'm going to ditch that one and trade up for a newer model. Ooh, that friendship has hit a hurdle of some kind. I'm going to ditch that one and find a new friend. Sometimes love is hard. Sometimes love requires us to stay in the middle of the chaos and to fight for what we know to be true. Jonah is given this invitation to go and represent God to this people that don't yet know him. Instead of embracing the call, he rejects it and he runs from it. Jamie has already said it today. We are all a running people. It doesn't matter like, if you're like, I, I don't enjoy running in my leisure time. Figuratively speaking, we run. We run from responsibility. We run to responsibility. We run from connection. We run away from connection. We run towards an opportunity or away from an opportunity. Regardless of where we are running, we are still running. We run, we run, we run. The challenge that we have is to, have, to, to allow our lives to allow our lives to embrace more of these invitations to love than run away from them. If I asked you right now to uh, visualize the person in your life that's hardest to love, who comes to mind? Don't say it out loud, okay? You might be sitting beside that person. We all have people in our lives that are difficult to love. All of us. Maybe it's somebody that doesn't say, say, share the same political ideals as us. And it's a challenge to love that person. Maybe it's somebody we live physically beside, our neighbor. It's challenging to love them because they like to party till 3 a.m. Maybe it's a challenge to love our children as parents. <laughs> Maybe it's a challenge to love our grandkids. Because we don't even understand them anymore. Maybe it's a challenge for us to love people who are older than us because they seem like ancient fossils. And they don't know anything. If people are in your life, I bet you, I guarantee you that there is somebody in your world that's difficult to love. And if you're the one person saying, I don't think so, you might be the person in your world <laughs> that is difficult to love. What we see in the life of Jesus is somebody who is steadfast towards his running and pursuit of love. In his inner circle, he's got 12 guys who have most close access to him. There's a gentleman by the name of Judas Iscariot who ends up betraying Jesus. And the crazy thing about this is Jesus knew that this was going to happen. And yet he still chose to love him. Not only did Judas Iscariot betray Jesus to his eventual death, Judas was also siphoning funds off of their ministry fund for his own personal gain. 
scooping it off the top, self-benefit, and yet Jesus still loved him. In our culture and in our world today, there's this confusing conversation about what is love and what is enabling. Love is rooted in who Jesus is. If Jesus can find ways to continue to invest and care and support and course correct, which is a part of love, then if we who want to live and love like Jesus, we ourselves can find the very same opportunity to do that. To find reasons to stay with it, to stay in it for the long haul. Not just for personal benefit and gain, but because God has given us an invitation to love. If you've got friends in your life, God has provided them as an invitation for you to love. If you've got family in your life, it's an invitation to love. If you're a part of a church extended community, it's an invitation to love. If you have neighbors beside you, even if that beside you is three kilometers away, it's an invitation to love. If you are still alive, breathing here on earth, you have been given the invitation to love. Love people just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. But we can choose to run towards that or run away from it. And we find out in Jonah's life, he runs away from it because it's just too hard. The cost seems to be too much. We've already sang in worship today. Wherever you lead me, whatever it costs me, all I want is you, Jesus. If that is our true heartbeat and our prayer, then our running, our orientation, our direction will be running towards these invitations of love. Even when the person to love that's most challenging happens to be us. We don't see worth and value in ourselves for whatever reason. We think that we're too broken, too messed up, too whatever. Can we run towards the invitation to love, not like Jonah who runs away from it, spooked by it, the gravity of what it's going to mean to represent God to a group of people that need to be reminded who he is. So he gets on a boat, tries to sail in the opposite direction. He runs from love. There's a second thing from Jonah's story up to this point that I think this chapter just kind of bellows out at us. He's on this boat and he's bailing on this invitation that God has given him to represent him, to be an agent of love in the place that he's being sent to. And he's on this boat, this crazy storm brews and all chaos ensues. What I want us to think about from this section of text is this kind of phrase. There is clarity in the turbulence. There is clarity in the turbulence. I have with me today this jar filled with water and dirt. Can you see the separation of these two parts? Yeah. If you can, uh, you know, I'm from Western Canada. If you could see it, can you give me a yee-haw? Wow. Cowboys. Now, here's what happens typically in our lives. You, you can see that there's a clear separation from these two things. Well, if I add some turbulence into it, guess what happens? Can anybody see the water in the dirt? Clear as mud. Yeah, anybody, anybody thirsty? 
Me? Clear as mud. See, most typically, we think this is what happens in our world. There's some turbulence that happens, and it shakes everything up. Shakes everything up, and there's a little bit of chaos, and we don't know which way is up from down. It's confusing. It's frustrating. We don't fully understand it. Yet, all I need to do is let this settle for a bit, and guess what? There's going to be clarity once again. The dirt's going to sink to the bottom, and the water's going to stay on the top half, and then we can shake it up again and see if it stays mixed. Sometimes we believe this lie that suggests in the turbulence that we're experiencing, God has either abandoned us or no longer cares. But what if in the turbulence, God is trying to work to provide clarity? So if you go back to this chapter 1 from verses 4 onwards to about 14, what you'll uncover is this unfolding narrative story in the life of Jonah where there's this crazy storm that whips up, panic ensues, it grips the entire community at that moment that's on that boat. If you've ever been on a boat in the middle of a storm, you understand the gravity of the situation, particularly if you cannot swim. If you cannot swim, the boat breaks apart, there's nothing for you to hang on and float by, like it is a death sentence. So this is chaos happening in their world. Calamity, frustration, all those things bubbling up, it's crazy. These sailors are so desperate, they start praying to all sorts of different entities, trying to get an answer. They try to do everything that they can to bring calmness to the storm in their midst. They exert all of their strength, all of their effort, all of their energy, desperately trying to save their own lives. In our world today, it can look like dieting and fasting, and it can look like working out a little bit more, or getting a vacation in, or changing a job, or, 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 or. All these things that we can try to add into our world to bring a layer of settledness and hopefulness and restoration even. This effort, this energy. And it's not until they recognize that there's something else at work here. That they have the clarity that they need to move forward. An ancient custom in the time period of this day would be to cast lots. Sometimes that, with, that would be in the form of dice or bones or whatever. And one of the dice would be, you know, a, a different color than the other. Or a bone would be a different color than the other or smaller. Like picking the short straw, that kind of a thing. Or turkey season, we break the wishbone. And who gets the most of the, tur- the wishbone is like the winner of the wish or whatever you want to call it. That's sort of the language and the, and the reality that was happening here for these sailors. So in their desperation they're trying to figure out who is the root cause of this problem because they believed that somebody must have done something wrong in order for the nature of things mother nature all these things to be happening to them and sometimes sometimes they're right so sometimes the chaos in our world the turbulence that we endure is of our own doing If we just so happen to, you know, start telling lies about somebody. And they find out and then it creates relational strain. Well, guess what? We played a part in that turbulence and that chaos and that strain. But there are other times where we have done nothing wrong. 
and yet the turbulence still ensues. And so they are in this desperation mode trying to figure out who's the root cause. And even in this crazy practice, the lot lands and identifies Jonah as the culprit. And then I think what is most interesting for me is that they, they already knew because he had told them that he was running away from God. Now, they might not have known which God they were talking about. But they're like, oh, yeah, run away from God. Come on, hop on board. Come on the boat. We'll take your money. And so he's on this boat. And he's running from God. And his very disobedience now threatens the well-being of other people. See, that's the clarity sometimes that happens in the turbulence. Sometimes our own disobedience threatens the well-being of others in our lives and around who are observing our lives. But the clarity doesn't stop there. What ends up happening as these lots get cast, they identify Jonah. They ask Jonah, who, who, which God do you serve? Who is it that you, you worship? And he says, the God who created everything the heavens and the sea and all that stuff, and they're, they're flabbergasted because they know, they know that this God, the name of Jesus, is above any other name. And they recognize the gravity of the situation that they're in. This isn't some convenience store entity or deity. This is the creator. And that's the one that Jonah has kind of ticked off a little bit. And so in their desperation, they, they ask, what are we supposed to do to you so that this stops? Because that's what they would do in their ancient culture and custom. They would do something to the cause in order to try and create another reality, another set of disciplines or, or, or circumstances that they could step into. Culturally speaking, if, if somebody added chaos into the community, sometimes they would be like, hey, boom, you're kicked out of the community. Go away with all your chaos. And all of a sudden, the community would thrive, and we're like, woohoo, we did the right thing. So that's what they went to. They're like, what do we need to do to you so that we're going to be okay? They go into survival mode. Far too often in our lives, we function from a spiritual perspective in survival mode. Physiologically, what happens to our bodies when we don't fuel our bodies properly is over time, they start to digest themselves. They start to eat away at things. The first layer of things they start to eat away at is the thing that we all want to get rid of, the extra stuff. The winter coating, let's call it that. The fat reserves in our body, our body starts to digest that. But when those run out, it starts to di then digest muscle. It starts to digest muscle because it's trying to stay alive and sustain itself. This is exactly what happens when we're in a moment of turbulence. What we try to do is we go into survival mode and we try to figure it out on our own. We start digesting things that actually aren't helpful to us. Where it's the latest, greatest, unique, most fashionable conspiracy theory of the day. Ooh, it must be that. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I think that's what, why we just endured this whole last reality of what we went through and this, that, and the other. Maybe it's that. Sometimes we digest the relationships in our lives. 
We find somebody that helps us make us feel good. That's never a good reason to just be together. Oh, you make me feel good. I want something from you. Let's keep this thing going. We dispose of the things that maybe have been once important to us, thinking that they are the root problem of all the turbulence. See, we're trying to create our own clarity in the turbulence, and yet the person that creates the clarity for us is the creator. It's Jesus. And it's not until they recognize this at the end that Jonah says, here's the God that I serve. What do we need to do to you? And he says, you just got to throw me overboard. And they're like, no, nah, that seems way too crazy. We're, we're sentencing you to death by tossing you overboard. I don't think we're going to go there. And so they give it one last ditch effort to try it on their own, row themselves to the land. The storm is too much. The turbulence is too much, too great for them. They can't do it. And so they finally relent and they toss old Jonah overboard and instantly the storm stops. Can you imagine being in that boat in that moment? They've tossed everything else already. We've, we, we know that. They've tossed out all the other cargo, all the other things. Nothing created the sense of security and safety that they were longing for until they tossed Jonah, until they did what Jesus was asking them to do, in other words. And that's the reality in our own lives. Where we're going to try and create our own layer of clarity but it's not until Jesus actually does this on our behalf that the turbulence that we are experiencing will actually serve its greater purpose. The turbulence of our lives is actually an invitation to reorient our running, to run in the right direction. It was an invitation to Jonah in this moment hey, you're running in the wrong direction. Don't run the wrong way. If you run towards me, I'll take care of you. That's the third thing that I want to talk about. There is provision even in the chaos. There's provision even in the chaos. The story could have ended right here. And Jonah was tossed overboard and the storm stopped. The end. It's a great epic story if it ended right there, but the story continues in verse 17, what we're told is God provides a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Did you know that there are actually accounts of individuals, human beings, in the last 2,000 years that have experienced a similar fate? Crazy. Never swim in the ocean. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> Ever. God provides provision in the chaos. There's this crazy storm. Jonah gets tossed overboard. There's a good chance he does not know how to swim. It's not like they threw a life preserver along with him over the side and said, hey, good luck. Just swim over there. That's where the land is. They literally tossed them over to preserve their own lives. The storm stops, and there's a fish that swallows him whole. And it's in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights that he exists, and I would say even thrives, despite, despite the challenging circumstances that he finds himself in. It's a reminder that God is a God, when he, when he demonstrates himself in his loving nature and character, because that's who he is, he loves us in all forms of chaos that exist, self-inflicted or situationally inflicted. 
God loves us through all of those moments. In the moments where we don't love ourselves, God still loves us. In the moments where we don't think that we have a reason to get up in the morning, God still sees value and purpose and meaning in us. When we think that we've exhausted all that we can do, that's where God starts moving in ways outside of what we thought was possible. God is a God who does stuff beyond what we can think or imagine. And all he's asking of us is to run towards him. To run towards him, to be welcomed in his presence. Because that's exactly what we're going to find, even in the chaos that we've created in our own lives. In the presence of God, you will find welcome every single time. Now that welcome might mean, take your muddy shoes off, we're going to clean those off, and then you can come into my house. But he's going to run towards you, he's going to love you, he's going to care for you. And remember, love sometimes is hard. And yet he still finds value in doing this. There's provision even in the chaos. You might describe your situation right now, here today in 2022, as chaotic. God will provide. Now that's easy to say. It's a different thing to live. I think after this moment in Jonah's life, where he was provided by being swallowed by a great fish, I think he'd have a hard time rejecting the notion that God is going to provide for him in another sticky situation. This is why it's important for us to sometimes remember where we've come from. If we've got a long, tenured connection with God, if we look back at key moments throughout our lifetime, what you will see and what you will experience is provision from God. He will give you what you need. In the moment, at that time, whether it's a sense of peace or hopefulness, whether it's the right words to say that are comforting and caring and wise, because God provides even in the chaos. We don't serve a God that just provides in the good times. We don't serve a God that just gives us prosperity and health and well-being. We serve a God who has suffered and died and come back to life. He rose again so that he can show us that even the power of death means nothing in his world. It is subject to who he is and his love for you and for me. God provides for us an invitation to love and to be loved. There is clarity that he gives us even in the most turbulent moments of our lives. And his provision never ceases. If we have our eyes open and our hands open, what he provides may not be the thing that we were needing or wanting in that moment, But it's exactly what we actually need from his perspective to even thrive in that chaos. His provision never ceases. That is what we have in common with Jonah. Even in our running, we are never beyond God's reach, God's hope, God's love. The question is, where are you running? 
We're all running. Where are you running? Is it towards these invitations from God or is it away from them? And if you're like, Jason, I don't know. If you don't know, you're more away than you are toward. We're going to be preparing for a time of communion in a few moments. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us as a community that we would ready ourselves and ask ourselves that question, where are we running? It is never too late. It is never too soon to run towards Jesus. Whatever situation and moment we find ourselves in, his love is great enough to not only provide clarity, but also provide for what we crave in that space. So as we pray, would we continue to be reminded of the power in Jesus' name? And may we ready ourselves to celebrate communion here together. Father, I thank you that the story of Jonah can be more both humbling and inspiring at the same time. And I confess, Jesus, that there are times where I see myself more frequently in Jonah's running away from than running towards you. And I have a sense here today that that is a, an expression of many of us. Even those of us that have been long-tenured followers of you, Jesus, we still have tendencies to run. Run away from a challenge that you are inviting us into. Running away from a situation or a person that you're asking us to embrace and love and care for. Because it's just too hard. We don't know how we're going to get through it because we're not sure that we have what we need. Father, would you help us be reminded of the truth that everything that we need can be found in you. And from your provision that shows up at the right time, in the right moment, even when the wind and the waves are raging on and we've been tossed overboard, you still haven't given up. You will still find a way to allow us to experience your character and your nature. Father, we want to be known as a group of people, women and men of all ages, all stages of life, who run in the right direction. May in our running and in our striving, may we, may we hear the words of Jesus who says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, we speak the name of Jesus over those turbulent, chaotic situations that we find ourselves in. May you invite us into a greater sense of your purpose, a greater sense of your hopefulness as we run towards you. Pray this in your name.